Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Hi. We are excited you guys have joined us again for our second week in our Esther series. So as a reminder, we're kind of going through a few themes of Esther. If you haven't listened to last week's episode or the week before that with Stacey Pastor King, we would encourage you to because it'll give you some context to what we're talking about today. Yes, yes. So hopefully our first episode really diving in didn't scare you off. Maybe it made it more... It made you feel like you can approach Bible stories more practically, and I hope you're excited to keep diving in. Yeah, and again, our hope for this series a little bit is you guys know Samantha and I's passion for God's Word and just learning and teaching from what we are learning in what God's teaching us. And so we hope that you find the same value in being able to kind of unpack a few of these themes that we believe that we can learn from Esther. And so last week we went through how God works in the chaos of life, and this week we are talking about finding our identity right where God has us in the moment. Yeah. Which, gosh, that seems really hard even as we just say it. Yeah, we we spout all, all these things, and it's things we've probably heard before if you have ever kind of wanted to look into living out your faith more. But it's really hard to practically live it out. So it's like I don't think we can hear it enough, really, because we have to be daily reminded. And then we have to break it down and get into practical ways of like, well, what does that mean for my actual day-to-day life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think this is so convicting for me even to say those words myself because there are so many things about my current like moment or life circumstances that I would change if I had the opportunity to, but I have to stand firm and believe that God has me right where he has me in this moment, in this time, in the situations that I am for a purpose and ultimately for his glory. And so just so such a good reminder that when you read the book of Esther, that we see so many instances of people kind of quote unquote having it all and they still are not satisfied. I think the two biggest characters we see in this book in that way are King Xerxes and Haman. So King Xerxes is obviously Esther husband, king at the time, and she is queen. And then Haman is kind of his right-hand man. And Bad so, guys. Yeah, bad guys. <laughs> Not good. They're kind of crazy. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But in their craziness, they kind of seem to like have it all. The book even starts off with King Xerxes asking his current wife, Queen Vashti, to kind of come like flaunt herself through this party that he's hosting. It's like a multiple day party. So obviously all of us are probably sitting here. I don't have the finances or the freedom to have a multiple, like a day. It's like people that go, go, you know, party in wherever and like have like a four day bender, just like living it up. I mean, I'm thinking, I just watched, what's the Netflix show? Oh my gosh. Have you... Oh, gosh, I don't know. Okay, it's about the girl that basically tricked. If you haven't seen this, it's actually a really good show. She tricked everyone in New York City. She pretended to be this German heiress. It's a real life thing, but Netflix like depicted it in this fictional show. Is this Breaking Anna or whatever? Yes, 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 yes. What's it called? Breaking Anna. Breaking Anna. Anna. I've not watched it. it. Anna Dalvey. She had like the weirdest. I literally have no clue what that show is even about, but I was like, it's one I've not watched. It's really, really good. It's real life. I mean, she's been in and out of prison. I think I've been following up on her story. She's like, being held by the deportation like place i'm not oh. this is all real and she tricked everyone just thinking she was a german heiress so like i'm thinking of that about that when they would fly and like literally go spend like a long weekend on a yacht and just be partying for five yes. days straight so you can imagine someone like that obviously we all have examples of that or we could probably think of someone who lives a lavish lifestyle like that but we see that in the book of esther that 
King Xerxes and Haman are really living it up with parties and money and wine and just fame. And still they are unsatisfied because this whole story kind of then moves into its narrative when Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle. And kind of raised her. Yeah, raised her as her father figure. Mordecai is a Jew and Haman goes around. So Haman being King Xerxes kind of right hand man, he kind of like shows himself through the town and people bow to him, you know, showing their respect and honor of his position in government. And Mordecai doesn't bow down. And so Haman just like loses it. And Haman gets so upset from this one guy not bowing down to him. And so kind of from there, the story gets more and more crazy. And he just kind of loses it. And so even in that, that, you know, when he has seemingly like all that you could ever dream of, all that you could ever want, one person not bowing down to him to submit to him drives him insane and ultimately drives him to really like, yeah, wanting to impale people on sticks and ultimately kind of his whole downfall. But even in that, that that's crazy that he like couldn't find his identity when even he had it all. It's crazy because we do see real life examples of this, probably not at extreme ways of like impaling people, but you hear the stories about the crazy celebrities that they just get so used to everything being about them that with one person, you know, one staff member doesn't do something correctly, they like go off the handle. And I know that a lot of that's probably depicted more in movies and stuff, because nowadays if a celebrity acts like that, people can tweet about it. They can be like (laughs) shamed for it. But it is funny how we still have people in our culture that even if they wouldn't say it out loud they demand that kind of respect or like Mm -hmm. they are so prideful about their position or what they have that any little thing can tear them apart yeah and so i think it's a good reminder for me even again it seems so elementary but me saying it out loud brings out of the darkness probably my deep desire that in a bit of a way i'm frustrated in the circumstances or just like the dynamics of like hard things in my marriage or hard things with my kids or hard things at work or hard things in friendship and i want something different than where god has currently placed me. But ultimately, I could probably go through that. And I'm like, well, if I was, you know, if I had X amount of money, then all of these things could be satisfied. Or if I had this husband who did this and this perfectly, then that would be satisfied. If my body looks like that. Yes. If my body looks like that, we're going into summer, guys. So that's a personal one, Samantha. Oh. Um, Just kidding. But really, oh I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good to remember that. No, like God has ordained exactly where I am and I can stand firm in the identity that he has given me in this moment. And that it's made for a purpose. That's good. So it's kind of easy when we're looking at scripture to see the miracles that God performs and to say like, okay, yeah, clearly God is working through that big miracle. But why is it harder for us when he's working through these ordinary details in this story to see that as God working? And to translate that to our own life, when crazy big things happen that we're like, I know God worked in that. He really came through. That was such a big blessing in my life. It's easy for us to kind of give God the credit for those kind of things or to trust in that as part of the plan. But we really often doubt God when we're just in the day-to-day things. We don't really see that he could be working in the ordinary mundane things. Mm, Which is so good for me to hear too, because I wish I could be someone even just right before we jumped on, we actually had God like answer a prayer. And it was Mm -hmm. so good. We've been praying for something, just a conversation that we've been wanting to have on the podcast. And literally someone reached out to us. So really cool ways that we can see even in just really mundane, normal, ordinary things, God is working. And it is really cool I would pray that we are all people who have hearts and minds who can recognize when God is working. But yeah, in this story, we see a bunch of kind of like ordinary, kind of seemingly quote unquote, like coincidences that kind of happen in the story. One of the big ones in the turning point of the narrative is a sleepless night that King 
Xerxes has. He's trying to go to sleep. It's described that he can't fall asleep. And this is at the same time at Haman's house. He is also awake, trying to plot and come up with this like crazy idea to get rid of all the Jews. And so in this sleepless night that Xerxes has, Haman decides to come over and talk to him about this. And again, that's kind of like a huge turning point in the narrative where the whole story kind of takes place. And again, seemingly in a, like a coincidence of like, oh, well, he like Xerxes should have been sleeping. He wasn't. Well, now Haman's now in his yard and they're able to talk about this plot that it again unfolds into the entire like rest of the story. But I think that's what's so crazy about it is like, again, when you read the story, it's good for me to look at these little points that when you're reading it, easy to pass by. But it's one of those things that like ordinary night, like we would think nothing of that if we just couldn't sleep in the middle of the night or whatever. But in this story, we literally see God work in that exact moment. Yeah, I think it brings us to this idea. I think we're constantly searching for an answer to like, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Mm. I want a sign. I don't know the next step to take. I want God to like reveal what to do in this decision. I mean, every season of my life can be marked by similar questions about like, I just, I want a sign. You know, we kind of were talking about, and you took a class and you can share more about this, but like one big question, I think we've even been asked this like in our DMs, like, Mm -hmm. how do I know if I'm marrying the right person? And it's, go into that more. Yeah. I mean, I want to give Keith Simon and Anna Lynn Frazier credit for this because I took an Esther class along with our church and kind of heard this example and I thought it was so good. And so I wanted to share it here that essentially Keith walked us through the idea that in the story, we see tons of, again, ordinary things and that somehow in the story, there's a lot of different dialogue around if Esther is even like an important book in the Bible because God's never mentioned. And we would argue for sure there is because there's so many coincidences and so many things that point to God's working in in it, even though he's never mentioned. But as a part of that, I think as we read the Bible as a whole, it's really easy for us to just glaze over those things and think, well, God's surely not working because really nothing big is happening there. And so when you take that to just an everyday probably experience or thought maybe we've had, or maybe you're currently thinking, but this idea of like, did I marry the right person? Or if you're maybe engaged or dating, is this the right person I should marry? And Keith used this example that he's like, you know, isn't it crazy that somehow when a miracle happens, we can like for sure, no doubt, believe it was God, believe that that was right. And even when it gets hard, we can still believe, well, because of the miracle, I know that this is the right thing. But somehow in ordinary experiences, we discount that and we discount God's work. And so when it comes to like, did I marry the right person? Well, no, duh. If like God dropped a man in front of you right now with like angels surrounding him. I mean, if that had happened and they were like, you are going to marry Andrew Nuenswander, I would be like, oh my gosh, amazing. So when my marriage is like, in pieces and I am so frustrated and so overwhelmed and so hurt by something Andrew does seven years into marriage, Mm -hmm. I would for sure work really hard in that because, well, a miracle happens. Like I know this exactly what God had planned for me. That's your person. This is my person. And that I would not doubt that because a miracle had happened. But somehow when marriage gets hard or when I'm frustrated or overwhelmed in that same example, I can sometimes or the world would maybe tell me like it's not worth fighting for. What if you maybe did marry the wrong person because this is really hard or shoot, like maybe you should look for love somewhere else because this isn't working well. I could choose to believe those things because a miracle didn't happen, but I could look at all those ordinary experiences that – No, Andrew and I both literally grew up in this small town, Liberty. We went to Liberty High School. We were in the same tech class in eighth grade. And we happened to be – It's like tech, like woodworking in tech. So literally, I'm sorry, but tech and woodworking? No, yeah, no, no, like no. computer tech and woodworking. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't have a class like that? Wait, 
like how okay like so it was like computers and doing yeah like so like half of the class was like working in computers like so Andrew and I met in the meteorology unit and so we worked on meteorology like equipment and like software and literally he was one of like there were three of his friends in this class so his two friends buddied up and like we all had to find a partner his two friends buddied up and so Andrew was the oddball and he was like can I be your partner so he and I were partners I literally did all of the work he did nothing your school was just like oh let's like put computer science and then they also have to build something yeah, because okay. it was like learning, like we programmed the woodworking machines and Thank stuff. Thank you. That's what I was looking for, how oh the two gosh. tied together. Guys, I had no idea. Okay, continue. So anyways, going back, sorry if you've lost us at this point, but going back. So they were now, probably confused too. Now when my marriage is hard or now when I'm thinking, oh shoot, like did I marry the wrong person? It's probably easier for me to doubt that God was working those ordinary experiences that we just happened to work in the same class and we happened to meet in high school and we happened to date all these years and like all of these things. We happened to break up for a year. Yeah. Had to throw that in. (laughs) And that is like just so foolish, but somehow we discount God's work in ordinary times, but we like probably wouldn't do the same if there was a miracle involved, which I just think is so pertinent to the story and exactly what we see in the book. Also hot take, and this should be another episode, but we don't believe that there's like one right person or soulmate. And if you want to ask us about that, let's DM and let's do another episode on that. Anyways, I think all that's so good. And I agree because if we choose to only be waiting and looking for the big things that happen in life and for the miracles, we're going to miss out on all the ways that we can learn from Mm. God and just enjoy and like get to experience his blessings in those day-to-day mundane things. And so if you hear anything from this series, like remind yourself of that. Like God is working in the mundane and ordinary things. And when we can see those things, I think we just have a lot more joy and abundance in life because we're able to see God working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even to that, just some like practical things. I'm thinking of this, even as we've talked, if you've been a part of any of our conversations in the past, this has been brought up before. But even as we started this conversation of being reminded that God has a plan in the moment that you are in, that he has, you know, prepared your identity and put you in this place for a moment and an easy way or a exciting way to be able to be remembered by that is just keeping a prayer journal and keeping a recording of what are you working on? What are you asking God for? What are you seeing in maybe a day? And watch God answer those ordinary Mm -hmm. prayers. Watch God maybe grow you in patience or grow you in generosity or be able to link you up with a girl that you were wanting to be friends with or something like that. And I think it's a good reminder and something that we don't give enough credit to just to be reminded that, no, there's purpose and God has me in this moment for a reason. I have oh, another good thing. One kind of serious, one funny. So if you really want to be reminded on how much you've grown, go look at your Facebook status. It's oh, like stop. when Facebook tells you to look oh, at a status. I had one the other day that was like, when trying isn't enough, just try. I don't know. Like, guys, I mine are really really bad. Enneagram one. I used to do right like, we- oh, true. But I I used to do like weird quotes, like sad songs or like, ooh, I don't want to do that. I would be embarrassed. It was, it's bad. And then, so that's kind of the joking one. But also even recently, I love when we have friends that can call that out because not to shoot my own horn, but there was something in your life that you've kind of been walking yeah. through for the past year or so. And I even remember a couple of weeks ago, I was like, some little thing had shifted 
And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such an answer prayer. Like that was literally mm-hmm. what you've been praying for and been like stressed about for so long. And like this happened and it wasn't some miraculous big thing. It was actually just like the next like step in this process. I'm sounding yep. very vague, but yeah. And I was like able to recognize yep. with you, like, hey, God answered that prayer in your life. Yeah. Let's celebrate that. No, it's amazing. So again, like seemingly ordinary things that God is really working through. I hope that encourages you in today and where you're at today, even if that's, you know, at home with littles or in your corporate job in like a big high rise building. We hope that you feel encouraged that there's a place and a plan for who you are today and where you are. So that's good. Hey, I really hope you guys have loved diving into the book of Esther with us. If you're looking for more in this book of the Bible and wanting to see more of how the themes in this story applies to our life today, then you can sign up for a really cool email devotional written by our friend and coworker, Annalyn Frazier. To do so, all you have to do is sign up in the link in our show notes or on our Instagram in the bio or on our Facebook page, and you will get these devotionals sent right to your inbox. It's a quick and easy way to dive deeper into the book of Esther. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.